Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That is right. And this week, we are breaking down Season 3, Episode 7, Jack in the Box. This is a very special episode of Duct Tape and Paperclips for many reasons. One is that it, this is just an absolutely bonkers episode of television. But two is that Annie and I are in the same location. We are coming to it's you. It's weird to be looking into your eyes right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> coming to you live to tape from yeah. <laughs> uh, the Vermont Comedy Club Green Room, which yeah. is uh, so fun. As so. good as it gets as a podcasting studio around here. Yeah, it is weird. I'm used to like, I have my own face as 50% of what I'm looking at when I do this podcast oh, and yeah. now I'm, I just have your face which is so fine how, and great hey I <laughs> mean nice I apologize that that's what you have to look at but like are you how much time realistically are you looking at your own face when you're on zoom too much because for me it's a lot yeah it's way too much we, they were talking about it like during the height of the pandemic about how it was really messing with everybody's like self like mm-hmm. sense of self and everything and and despite the fact that almost every video chat application has the ability to turn yourself off and so you're only looking at the person you're talking people to don't people do don't do it i don't do it i'm just i'm too no i want to see how I i'm coming across yeah. i don't know if it's vanity or it's just self-consciousness yeah. or but it's just i want to know and then you you start to realize do you look better with the regular camera or the mirrored camera and do you change that <laughs> yeah. setting and yeah. we have our lighting and do you we do have the touch this. up setting. Yeah. Yeah. Should I start wearing makeup for the first time in the 38 <laughs> winters I've been on this planet? Like I don't know. Also like it, it makes me think like, like it would be so weird if you walked out on a comedy stage and there was a big television screen facing only you with Dear your God. face on it, like it, where you could watch your own performance live because you'd be I constantly staring at it. I would hate it. I would hate yeah. it, hate it. And I imagine for improv, it would be even worse yeah. <laughs> yeah. because you're also trying to interact with other, other people. people. Right. Yeah. So we don't do that. But somehow we do these podcasts where we're just mostly looking at our own faces and then trying to also engage with someone else. So uh, pardon me if I don't make eye contact with you. That's during okay. This podcast. I'm, I'm used to it. I <laughs> yeah. think, yeah, we're used to... to having our own little setup in our room and the mess that's off camera and the, you know, all this stuff. It's fun though. It's fun to be talking about this, especially this episode in person. We were, uh, we were going to do this episode with a guest. We were. And, uh, and that never worked out, but I think this just being in the same room will give us the ability to really, dig into this wild, wild episode. Should we just do it? Should we go right for it? I think we should just go right for it. Because, dear God. I mean, (laughs) so when I saw the title Jack in the Box, I'm going to start there. (laughs) Well, well, you have to to give us a a summary so people who haven't seen the episode know what the uh, actual summary of the episode is from IMDb. Let's do that first. My (laughs) apologies. All right. So (laughs) we're forgetting because we got, yeah. We are forgetting. This is what this episode is all right macgyver goes to a small town in arkansas to bail jack dalton he's back out of another predicament macgyver ends up getting arrested along with jack and sent to a prison camp where they are forced to dig in an abandoned mine for a hidden millions of dollars yes <laughs> this is great this is really a cool hand luke-esque kind of episode of the of the show uh Okay, so you said when you saw the title, Jack in the Box, something happened. Never did I imagine (laughs) that it would involve Jack in a literal prison. Um, (laughs) Never did that cross my mind. I mean, I want to know what did cross, like what. I mean, well, (laughs) here you go. He's already been in a coffin. 
in oh, this true. series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so I'm thinking he's going to be in some enclosed space. He's that been a is, magician. He's yes. Been a, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, that's what I had in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, never did I imagine that he is um, imprisoned by some truly bizarre and sadistic local police. <laughs> yes, in Arkansas. Um, well, we uh, let's start at the beginning of the episode. So it starts with like it it, it really hits the ground running. Um, we get the the phone message from Jack to MacGyver's answering machine. Which, by the way, we talk about this in the in the next episode that the answering machine has become like a really good way to lay expositional pipe. I <laughs> love, I love it. it. I mean, if it's between the answering machine and a voiceover, or Pete dumping give, a bunch yeah, of info. Yeah. Give me the answering machine, 100%. And so I was fine with that. Of course, Jack leaves an insane message saying, come get me, come get me from Arkansas, where he's sort of like badly overacting just to try Mm. to get MacGyver down there. Um, And then we see uh, Jack in a diner. Yep. Yep. And he decides the thing he's going to (laughs) do to get arrested. And I just truly love this is he's he basically orders a beer mm-hmm. and is vaguely rude to people. That's basically yeah. all he does wrong. He sexually harasses a waitress and he threatens to bring his beer out onto the street. Which again, like are things yeah. like we're in front of a cop. Yeah, yeah. We're sitting right now in downtown Burlington. Those yeah. are things that happen every, here every, every <laughs> single night of the week. So yeah. I'm not saying they're right. Yep. I am saying it's a stretch to be taken to a prison camp um, for any one of those <laughs> Well, and MacGyver is taken to that very same prison camp for less. The whole idea of the show, obviously, is that they are like looking for excuses to throw able-bodied men into this camp because they are putting them to work to uh, to find them their missing to $5 million. To find buried treasure, right, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like they are, that is, that is what it is. And um, essentially... Jack, my favorite moment of that opening scene is when Jack just is looking to get arrested, right? He's yeah, right. he's actively trying to get arrested. So he chugs a beer and puts <laughs> his beer glass on the edge of like the baton yeah. that the, the officer is carrying. And of course, the officer responds in a really reasonable way by throwing <laughs> him smashing, through a well, window. First smashing the stein on the floor and then oh, yes. throwing him through a plate glass window. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. he survives without a scratch yep, and yep. is taken to do manual labor right. and the, he he gets what he wants and then we cut to macgyver getting the the message and then they've they come they come back from a big fishing expedition and pete is whining as usual mm-hmm. about how having hated it they're both excited about this fish which i this is a dumb little thing that i noticed but i love i love this there are two different moments when one of them slaps the giant fish down on the countertop and <laughs> yes. the dry plastic sound of the fish hitting the counter yeah. it, they didn't want to go back and add another sound effect it's just like this clearly fake fish being smacked on the counter. a piece of plastic yep. being slapped down. Like at, like that fish would not be dry. I, I don't fish, but I can yeah, go ahead like and say yeah. it does not get dry that quickly. Um, but but then we get the, pe- uh, like, I mean, MacGyver is so goddamn gullible in this. Like he's yeah. really genuinely concerned for uh, Jack's safety and Pete is the voice of reason in this scene, and he he says, "You got to know that this is a tra- like this is a, a trick," um, and continues on and starts making. I wrote, "Pete makes great points?" Question <laughs> mark. Like he's saying, "This guy's a terrible friend. He never calls unless he needs something. How long are you gonna babysit this guy?" He's like saying really reasonable stuff. For I Pete. feel like <laughs> things I've said on this podcast were coming yeah. out of Pete's mouth, which is very strange to me. But like MacGyver starts, you know, the seed is planted in MacGyver's mind that like, wait a second. 
is this a reciprocal friendship? Am yeah. I getting anything out of this friendship or is it just this guy taking advantage of my capability and my yeah. flexibility and all this stuff? I mean, in the very next, like, of course he promises he's not going to go and then he goes and then we get a little narration from MacGyver, which really gives away his codependent relationship with Jack because mm-hmm. he, he comes right out and says like, Essentially, like, I can't quit this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'll always feel guilty if he's actually in trouble. I really care about him. Uh, I know that he's constantly, like, fleecing me. But, like, he does a whole narration where I'm like, oh, this really explains the idea that, like, MacGyver just can't get out from under this, like, really codependent relationship with this guy. Yeah, and I'm going to say, if you don't have a friend like this, you are that friend. (laughs) Um, Because everyone... that's true. Like, is springing to... (laughs) Like, everyone has a friend like this where it's like, I really should, like, not talk to this person person but they keep pulling me in to some insane thing like that's why he was a popular character that they kept bringing back because it's such a relatable like everyone's got a friend like this who's just kind of like yeah like what are you in now or a family member you know what are you up to now yeah um Um, i'm kind of going chronologically with this episode because there's so much to tackle here and uh too much we get macgyver showing up in the town and he's trying to like ask around and he oh my god the fact that we are genuinely uh, the first guy he meets is a guy who is whittling in front of like a general store. <laughs> yeah. And he's got like a, a huge pile of shavings at his feet. Between that and the like, the depiction of the diner with the like, you going to bring me to Hollywood kind of like overly sexual yeah. and naive uh, diner waitress. They really are, when they depict a small town in this in this show, it's always like, let's go back another 40 years. Like, it's always like this super oh, quaint, a thousand percent. antiquated. Yeah. It's so gross. It really <laughs> reminded me of the very first diner episode we had um, where they oh, were yeah. all held hostage and, you know, <laughs> the airplane hangar. Yeah. But, you know, it's but that kind of thing. she had some agency. That female pilot or whoever she was uh, trapped with. Oh, actually, no, she was the one who was like, no, she was stuck married, there. She was married yeah. to a guy who had come back from Nam. Yeah, stuck, yeah. <laughs> married to a local with PTSD, yeah. right, couldn't get right. out of the small town. So You're it's right. a very similar thing where this woman yeah. is just waiting to be told. And and not to spoil anything, but later in the episode, we see she is just really willing to go along with any man that yep. is in her vicinity. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love the soundtrack in this one. There's a lot of great, like, there's a real kind of like, just kind of Burt Reynolds, um, Smokey and the Bandit kind of like twangy country electric guitar going on yes. the whole way through. And then we have also the kind of horn hits of the sort of MacGyver score. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like a fun, like Southern rock kind of score. Yeah, there are a couple things about the general premise that I wanted to make sure we talked about <laughs> before we get into specific yeah. uh, chronology. One of them is that we're in Arkansas, we're in the South, and yet black people do not exist. Um, <laughs> Um, and well, yeah. <laughs> okay, continue. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. in prison, <laughs> yeah, right. we still, do, like we have, that but In was, a situation where they constantly say they're using them for slave labor, and in, and in a case we will obviously get to actively whip someone, would you have wanted to see no, black No, I actors? wouldn't have wanted to see that, <laughs> but I would have wanted to see some depiction in the diner, sure, some depiction, yeah. like we're supposed to be in the South and we are just going ahead and pretending. (laughs) And also like if they were concerned about that thing that you just said, why in God's name said it in the South, you know, like you could have said it anywhere else in the country and you wouldn't have had or in a foreign country. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. That like slavery thing coming to mind, like so strange to me, the choice around all of that. I thought so too. Although, you know, 
I wonder if at this point in like uh, our sort of cultural awareness, if like the idea of like powerful white so- men with Southern accents imprisoning and enslaving and and beating people was like an acceptable storyline for TV, you know, like was that? Well, so this is something that I'm curious about because I wonder that if in the eighties, like we had all of this messaging that was like, we are somehow post racism, you know, or Mm. we are somehow like, we all know racism is wrong. And in our culture now we have shifted into a very different yeah. mindset about that. The but Benetton I, ad solved it in but the that's, 80s. <laughs> so I almost wonder if in that moment, it felt like a throwback to the point where, okay, we feel comfortable doing this trope because we feel like this is all in the past and this isn't life today and all of this stuff. It's a backwards town that hasn't gotten the memo. Yeah, this is a backwards town, especially, I mean, think about like West Coast and Northeast um, Mm -hmm. Americans and their attitudes about the South and their, like, the attitudes that we were raised with about, like... Southern Hicks, yeah. Southern, you know, backward stuff. So I almost wonder if that was a little bit in play here, Mm -hmm. whereas today you would... Just never, <laughs> never yeah. do any of this. It just didn't. It's not necessary for the storytelling. Right. It's completely weird. Um, so there's that. <laughs> there's that whole thing. It's yeah. like we're we're having this weird slavery plot, but we're also simultaneously pretending that Black Americans do not exist in the <laughs> South. Okay, fine. Yeah. Then um, we just get to the overall depiction of the cops, which I'm just like... Oh, I have something to say about that. I love this. I love this so much. I know you're, <laughs> you probably have a different uh, idea about it, but this brings me to the next point in the episode where MacGyver gets arrested. Mm-hmm. Now, MacGyver is not trying to get himself arrested, but MacGyver is a six foot two uh, able-bodied man that they can use for their uh, slavery right. operation. Um, so literally MacGyver says to a person we now know is, is corrupt... I guess I'm leaving town then. We know MacGyver is not actually leaving town, but he's right. acting as though, as far as everyone is concerned, he's leaving town. He's not a problem anymore. And and yet the sheriff still goes after him, still manufactures a way to throw him in, mm-hmm. in this camp. Um, and that scene where like everything MacGyver does suddenly, oh, he, are you resisting? Are you? Mm-hmm. Do you have a weapon mm-hmm. on you? Do you have a this or that? I think it's so funny because this show is typically so pro-establishment and right. pro the cops are the good guys. And I know that th- they're thinking this is one bad apple, right? And that this, this guy oh, yeah. is the bad guy of the, of the episode. MacGyver is uncovering corrupt, corruption you know? in yeah. this one little this small one little backwards corner of the world. town. But in, yeah. inadvertently, now knowing what we know, like a lot of these tactics he's using to throw this guy in, in jail are used every day on the street by cops, especially in interacting with people of color yeah, that's all ex- the fucking that's time. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> What I think is that in the 80s, they potentially thought this was over-the-top cartoonish yeah, villain shit, right? right? right yeah. And that's why they've written it so right. bold. That's so why they I'm call the state police you. at the end to come get the corrupt cops. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to throw you on this thing. I'm gonna. He's going to break a glass. He's going to throw a guy through the window. I right. think now knowing what we know, we're like, yeah. Yeah. Like this yeah, is this, actually... This, this is par for the course. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it is. So I think that's part of what like really didn't work for this episode because these this wasn't cartoonish and weird to me yeah. the only thing that is strange unfortunately is it's happening it's just, to two white men you know yeah, right um well i thought 
that's the reason I liked it because it was like, oh, guys, inadvertently, you've made a commentary about the police. Yeah, which <laughs> I know, don't think they were early. trying to. No, go I don't for. either. But yeah. I, I think it was like, uh, and I mean, what it the the effect was the same, which is that it was it, the the character was genuinely scary, um, like genuinely had power over a lot of people. Yeah. Genuinely, several times during this episode, they came very close to like you think they're going to escape, and they are then pulled back and yeah. and and uh, sort of re-imprisoned. And each one of those times, I thought like wow it really does seem like they might not win like and yeah it was very horror movie they almost get away and then they you know are trapped again but it felt to me like it felt like between him and the warden it really felt like uh these are pretty good villains in the sense that they are really in control um almost all the time and and kind of scary you know the whole time but uh, you're probably right they were going for something cartoonish but i thought it was kind of uh poetic that it ends up being like kind of commentary what we would have thought about it if we were watching it in real time like i think now we have the benefit of like all of this you know all way more being exposed about the systemic nature of police violence, you know, and, and, you know, not to say that no one was aware of that in the eighties, they certainly were, but um, I don't think it was as mainstream a take as it is now. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was one moment in the episode I thought was so unnecessary, but it really felt to me like, okay, we need an act break here. There needs to be something like really dramatic here. And the whole idea behind Jack is like, you never know if he's dead or alive. So we have this moment where he, when MacGyver first shows up to the camp where someone says, oh, Jack, yeah, some guy named Jack uh, just got killed a few days ago. And there happens to be a small cemetery where, uh, evidently they dump the bodies of the people they've killed (laughs) uh, with an unmarked grave. That's within the walls of yes, the prison of the camp, camp. <laughs> and, and any, any prisoner can just walk up yeah. to you, which seems really Just to strange. mourn their, their body that's been definitely executed. definitely if you're trying to hide bodies yeah. from this, what I assume is an illegal prison right, camp, right, right. like you definitely want to mark the graves. Yep, yep. So it ends up being a different JD, obviously, but we have a nice little acting moment where uh, MacGyver really thinks his friend might be dead uh, and he turns out to be in this like hot box uh, scenario, which is really just like a triangular box in the dirt that he's been in for 12 hours i think yeah um, yeah they're amazing. pretty hard on jack i will say yeah, that they yeah. are they <laughs> i are would be too i tough think <laughs> on jack um even though he has gotten himself in here voluntarily yeah, yeah. all you know in an attempt to get this money that he <laughs> right. also knows is buried there which so, can we talk about the fact that he gets himself thrown in this place and over a matter of two days becomes known as the chief mm-hmm finds yep. out all the different ways to get contraband, uh, has people following him around as like this big kind of like mob boss essentially within yeah. the camp. All within two days, he's like taken over the place. That I didn't question at all. And they have <laughs> poor Pepe blindly following <laughs> oh them God. on their escape attempts. Yeah. My favorite thing, and I know we got to keep moving here, but one of my favorite things when MacGyver gets himself thrown in yeah. is they tell him, and don't even think about escaping. Yes. You can try it if you want to, but you're... And so of course, now we know all right we're gonna see macgyver try to escape the prison we list all the ways that he can escape so we know what the stakes are i thought that moment was particularly fun because warden renfro who is the main boss at this camp uh gives this two-minute monologue about everything to three new inmates yep which led me to 
believe, does he give this thing like 10 times a day every time a couple new people show up? <laughs> he has this two-minute monologue he gives. Um, uh, it hardly seems worth it at that point. Like he could have someone uh, outsource that. But um, so yeah, so we get so we get into this camp. Um, he's the chief of the camp. Uh, oh, I just want to mention real quick, obviously, <clears throat> there's been $5 million that's gone missing and this B.B. Bartell character um, is so clearly... Uh, a reference to D.B. Cooper. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Very fun. Um, there's a documentary about it that's really great. Uh, short version, D.B. Cooper is somebody who in 1971 uh, uh, hijacked an airplane, was dressed in a suit, very good looking, very charming. He said he had a bomb in a suitcase. He he managed to get $200,000, which in today's money is like over a million dollars, and uh, get himself an, on another plane that was empty and wanted it flown to Hawaii or something. And along the way, he had a parachute and he ended up bailing out of the plane. Um, somewhere in the woods over like North Carolina somewhere and no one ever heard from him or the money again. Wow. Um, and it was this huge like media thing and over the course of the last, you know, 40 years or whatever, it's become this huge like conspiracy theories. People spend their whole lives trying to find D.B. Cooper, figure out where the money is. Mm-hmm. It's this mythos now around him because he was like, handsome and the only woman that was like this woman sitting next to him when he had the bomb and he was like super kind to her and he let her get off the plane and like there's all this like stuff that makes it like a robin hoodie kind of feeling thing and maybe Um, she helped him or whatever who knows but like he was he was it's a really interesting story and of course some of the money washed up like on a beach but very little of it like many many years later and so it's really an interesting story but this is like the idea that db cooper you know and his missing money just becomes bb bb bartell and his Mm -hmm. missing money Mm -hmm. who also jumped out of a plane it was just like this is the laziest kind of like you know who this is right kind of like audience because you know we're only you know 15 years after that event at this point so it so yeah i I will say that like i the whole concept of of like what these the local police are trying to do feels like the most inefficient way to search for this money <laughs> that I could possibly imagine. I, like I why just why? enslave the whole town? Why manufacture <laughs> charges for people, throw yeah. them all into prison camp, yeah. do this sadistic <laughs> shit to them, yeah. get them to search for this. Like you, you have the local bank in your pocket. Yeah. Like, Hey, yeah. a fucking crew to look for right. it. Like, what? <laughs> and then murder wrong? them all. Like, and murder the six guys who found you. it. Yeah. Like, this just feels like <laughs> oh, a weird. Uh, this is like a summer camp for sadists. It's like Westworld, basically. This like, is pre-Westworld. Yeah, Westworld. Right? <laughs> yeah, and there's definitely a little bit of like the sheriff, and he said he a couple times alludes to enjoying killing people. Um, so he's yeah. Definitely he doesn't need the, to allude to it. We yeah. see when they shoot yeah they shoot do pepe. Shoot we know pepe. the minute we meet pepe he's done for mm-hmm. we know that about him he's his low status and then later on we get a little monologue about his rosa and going home to his like girlfriend we're like you're done for dude. i <laughs> was i was like r.i.p pepe yeah. before it even happened yeah. and then they have a moment with uh jack and macgyver where they need him to do this thing to help them which yep. essentially gets him killed yes <laughs> and you know yep. uh, I I, th- I thought about that and I was like, Jack got himself thrown in here, got MacGyver to come along with him for the ride, and gets this guy killed and loses the money, and yeah. it still has a happy ending. It's like, well, <laughs> it's like <laughs> dust well, your hands off, uh, poor Pepe, but like at least everybody who matters is okay. A horrible, <laughs> like a horrible ending. I yeah. walked away from this. It's like, how in God's name <laughs> are you to just be like, well, yep. what are friends for? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, 
Pepe gets what's coming to him, protecting really um, Jack Dalton, a guy I have to remind you, he met three days ago. <laughs> he gives up his life for him. Um, no, and Pepe lays down his life for these two idiot white men <laughs> that just rolled oh, in God. and are getting themselves into just the worst trouble <laughs> of anybody else in the entire prison camp, which is saying yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and this brings us to the whipping scene which we have to talk about. Uh, of course, Jack Dalton gets lashed to a post and whipped. And the whole time he's being whipped, he's saying not hard enough. Like you put more into yeah. it. Cause that's the kind of wise ass Jack Dalton is right. Yeah. Um, although this does break him. Eventually he has a moment where he really regrets everything because uh, of uh, all the pain he's caused, which is like uh, uncharacteristic of Jack. Um, but I mean, we talked about it a little, we alluded to it a little bit before, but it, you know, obviously it's not a, a black person or a person of color, but seeing anybody lashed to a pole like that and whipped in front of a bunch of people and then cutting them down and seeing the fucking Jesus Christ like lashes on the back yes. of them. Like it was so grotesque, especially for like a like a primetime family friendly adventure totally. show. And by, you know, police officer or somebody in authority with which, southern accents. Yeah. <laughs> just guns. incredibly upsetting. And really hard to watch yeah. in today's um through today's lens. Yeah. Like I was like So many other things ugh. you could have done to like break Jack, you know, at that point. Truly anything. They could have left him in the box for a a longer period of time. They could have withheld food or something. Like there's any number of things that they could have done, but they did the most over the top kind of violent thing. It's really the only, I mean, there's a lot of crazy things about this episode, but it, it wasn't unenjoyable for me to watch. Like I, it was, it moved along at a fun pace. There was a lot of great crackling kind of dialogue to mm-hmm. it. It was kind of an interesting setting. Um, but this, uh, this fucking scene just like really took me out of it. Um, I yeah, mean, for me, it was Pepe getting killed. Was I it? was like, come on, like <laughs> yeah. why this why poor guy <laughs> is just being shot point blank. Yeah. For just completely um, sadistic reasons. Like there was no, there was no need or it it didn't even make sense for them to shoot him. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think um, what I, what I found was that the writer who wrote this episode, he, he was essentially a brand new writer that like Hmm. was, was pitching ideas. And then this idea came across the table and he was, they assigned it to him and uh, this was his first MacGyver script. Um, So yeah, that does kind of like point to, oh, maybe either you just don't have the tone quite right or whatever. Um, but it also, I, from a, like, I'm a screen, I'm a new screenwriter, um, st- standpoint, it makes sense that like every cu- couple of pages, you're kind of turning up the heat on the characters yeah. and that, you know, killing of Pepe, Pepe is actually one of those things. Obviously it like raises the stakes and it, um, yeah, it raises the stakes. It also sets them back. It ruins their escape attempt. So right, they have right. to find another way out of there, um, which, uh, it turns out is just, uh, dropping through the floor and leaving some live chickens under your blankets, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is happens like three minutes after we watch a man lashed almost to death (laughs) yeah so they beat the shit out of jack and then jack immediately feels up to escaping (laughs) but Uh, it turns out that uh there's a loose floorboard under the uh, bunk that i've never noticed (laughs) yeah so they they get out and jack immediately goes back to you know this (laughs) woman who he promised to to uh you know bring to hollywood thinking they can use her phone and she she is shacked up with um, the corrupt of, banker. With the corrupt banker, right. who is of course in on the plan. Why yep. wouldn't he be in on the plan? Yep. Um, and 
calls <laughs> calls his buddies down at the prison camp and they are immediately thrown back in yep. um of yep. course um which i uh, is great i mean again i really thought they might get away this time and they and they really aren't right. um and that that felt like oh this is actually like i uh, they might not get out of this um yeah, then they go back, they find the buried treasure uh, very conveniently. In the real world, they would not have found shit. It truly <laughs> took them uh, two seconds to yeah. find this thing. It was really conveniently set up on a pulley system <laughs> yeah. that MacGyver figured out how to use Under immediately. Yeah. yeah, that which had a little X tape to it, <laughs> of course, because it's so easy. Um, and of course, MacGyver immediately. And then... They seem, MacGyver seemed genuinely surprised hmm. that their plan was to kill them after <laughs> they found the very yeah, treasure, right, which, right, right. of course, that was their plan. Yeah. MacGyver's a little bit naive in this episode yeah. all the way through. Um, but we have this sort of like uh, this last moment when they tell MacGyver to pull the money out. He pulls the money out. And then um, a series of events happens that basically leads to... Um, uh, they're about to kill them. MacGyver hooks something to the sheriff's pants that drags him into the mm-hmm. into the pool, and the the uh, something a lantern gets dropped or something, and the dynamite gets lit on fire accidentally. And instead of just throwing it in the pool, MacGyver decides to throw it in the suitcase full of money and then throw the suitcase out out, out into yes, the... Yes, could have thrown it directly into yeah. the water, decided I to encase <laughs> it in the money because MacGyver has to remind us what is really important, right. which is not money, and he also right. wants to say fuck you to yes. Jack for getting him in this mess in the I, first place. Of course, place. you would never think... But MacGyver is way too wholesome to hold a grudge to the point where he would actively, like, intentionally blow up Jack's fortune. However, <laughs> uh, the fact that he's like... In that moment, you, you could make the case that like his subconscious wants to do that. And in that moment, uh, he makes the choice to blow up the money, thinking he has no other option. But his subconscious is like, hey, fucking yeah, blow up the money, I, dude. <laughs> I'm of the opinion that MacGyver knew exactly knew? <laughs> what he was doing and decided that I, like, listen, this was not a good enough reason for us to be yes. put in this situation. <laughs> I do not give a shit if you get $4 million. Yeah. Um, and hey. we're, we're getting out of here and you need to change your ways. I don't care what his motivations were. I don't care how illogical it is that he throws the dynamite into that suitcase. I loved the moment as like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a conclusion to the episode, watching $5 million blow up in a suitcase, perfect. And watching the little like, you know, the funny music come back in and the two of them realizing they just blow, blown up the suitcase is like perfect. <laughs> I, I, oh, totally. And none of us want to see Jack get $5 million. No. None of <laughs> no, us do. Of course not. No, no. Um, and then um, what, what I think is funny, though, is that we never really cut back. We don't get enough coverage of what happens to the, the two um, bad guys mm-hmm. to the point where like, we don't know, did the sheriff fully drown? Was right. he dragged out? Did the guy, the other guy get like knocked out? There was a bit of a scuffle there. But like, did he get knocked out? Did they tie them up? And we thought we think, okay, we come back for the last little denouement at the end there. And the people being put into the Stady's car are Llewellyn, Luella, whatever the fuck her name is, and the <laughs> corrupt banker. We don't see the other two guys. Yeah, the are other they dead? Guys What's are, going on? It's really unclear, but I I kind of liked it. Yeah. I liked this idea <laughs> well, that like... I was joking about how maybe they put him in a different police system. Yeah. They just shuffled him to another <laughs> precinct. He, he's in a prison camp elsewhere <laughs> yeah. being whipped I'm, just, oh, no, I'm thinking like they gave him a different police job because that's what they do with cops who are oh. corrupt. Oh, yeah, no, he's like a priest in that sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just transferred to another <laughs> right. precinct. But yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I kind of liked the ambiguity there because we don't get the like, and see, you guys are bad and you're thrown in jail. But yeah. we also, we can never, ever, ever on this show get, you know, MacGyver 
killing someone and right. having us know that they've been like that is just not something the show does right so. right so do you think that when he hooked him on the pant leg like he hooked his pants like legs and that machine dragged him underwater is the implication like oh he's dead he got drowned by that whole process um but we don't want to show it because we don't want it to seem like macgyver did something that killed someone <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think it's left kind of ambiguous. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. I don't know if I think that guy died or not, but I do know if he did die, like we are not going to see it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they put those two actors back on the plane to LA and then they were like, <laughs> let's shoot the ending. We, we'll, we'll just put the other two people in the car. <laughs> That's my my guess. Um, any other little uh, ideas about the actual episode? I mean, again, I I do not believe for a second we've seen the last of Jack Dalton. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I wish MacGyver would draw some boundaries, but I don't think he's going to be able to, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do get that nice moment. What are friends for at the end? And it's like, well, well they'll, yeah, but they'll MacGyver still be friends. looks just exasperated. Yeah. It's like, they're not for this, yeah. asshole. Uh, I love that kind of like that kind of freeze frame uh, thing. It's a fun way to end. Um, well, so I, I looked up everybody in the episode because I like to do that. And Luella herself, um, it, crack, it cracked me up because she's so uh, concerned with like getting to Hollywood and becoming mm-hmm. a model and a big star and the whole thing. And uh, her story reads like that story. It's so funny. She like snuck onto a lot at one point and got kicked off the lot. And then someone who is outside the lot f- her, heard the story and like signed her immediately and she has a license plate that says cast me <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was just like, wow. oh, this is like not that far off from her character um but the real interesting piece uh is the guy who plays the sheriff who i think was really good in this mm-hmm. and is in absolutely everything especially through the 80s he has like regular parts on magnum pi mm-hmm. and the a team um he started as elvis presley's stunt double Interesting. And so he's in some Elvis Presley movies as a stunt guy. And then he kind of developed a friendship with Elvis and like toured with him and stuff. And then he has a band of his own and was a like a lounge um, huh. act of his own um, and put out one album in 1970. And I just wondered if you wanted to hear a little bit of it. I would love that. <laughs> I was thinking like, this is going to be terrible. And then I thought I was listening to a little bit of this song and I was like, is this kind of good? <laughs> Oh God. So here we go. I you can't wait. Tell me what you think. Yes, I do. You can stay just as long as you like. Mama, you can leave when you want. It's not just bad. When you do. It's, it's actually kind of okay. I mean to keep you satisfied. This is called Good Deal Keeping Man. I oh, my God. Like, I kind of like this. It's it like Jim Croce-esque. It's like, yes, very much. It's so cheesy, but I'm I'm really angry at you for making me see that um, sheriff in a different light. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I, I, I also watched a little bit of, there's a documentary on YouTube. Uh, I think it's called, <clears throat> what's it called? Good Memories, I think it's called. And it's like a 45-minute thing. He must have self-produced it. And it's him like kind of wandering in and out of some of the old haunts that he and Elvis used to go to. And then there's kind of like, it's intercut with uh, a bunch of live footage of his band playing for an audience. And then in between huh. his songs, he's telling stories about Elvis and stuff. Um, and it really is kind of charming. It's like, oh, this guy is like really loves music and also just happens to be a, uh, a terrifying character actor that gets <laughs> <laughs> to play a lot of bad guys. Um I also thought one of my other, like my kind of final thought on this episode is like, 
now that we're in the sort of like really hitting our stride in terms of season three, I remember we used to talk a lot in season one and two about how in almost every episode, Richard Dean Anderson is the best actor by yes. far. And I no longer feel like that's happening. I no. feel like they're getting better and better actors to play. And which is funny because they're in Vancouver now. So they're uh, ostensibly wouldn't have enough, like the same access to like if, if you got all these terrible people in L.A. And now you're in Vancouver and you're getting good people. I feel like maybe they're pulling from like a theater scene up there or something. Or maybe there's just better film actors or maybe they're flying people in. I don't know. But even the smarmy kind of bank guy, bank guy has like a monologue in the in the restaurant that's pretty convincing um and then the two bad guys the warden and the sheriff and this were like really quite good i thought pepe's fine like these really kind of stand out in contrast to some of the character actors that were playing support roles in the first two seasons agreed i think the guest stars and the and then like all of the supporting characters are so much better including like the younger people that we see in this season, including mm-hmm. like the character actors that play villains. Like yeah. it's all kind of gelling a little bit better. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like uh, we need to we need to give this episode a rating from one to ten. I can't wait to hear what you think. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm really torn about the scoring on this one. I think I mm. might have to ask you to go first because okay. I am. My feeling about this episode is that it has to go either extreme it is not a middle of the road episode of this show yeah i think we can agree on that yeah my question is like i i honestly don't know if i feel like it's the worst episode i've ever seen (laughs) or one of the best yeah 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 right right um i think i would give this an eight Mm. um i really Maybe I'm being a little tough on things this this season. I haven't given anything a nine or a ten yet, um, which actually you have. Yes, I have. Amazingly, I really liked this episode. I think it's really well written. I think it's there's some good performances in it. The tension is great. The setting is fun. There's some fun MacGyverisms in it. It loses that couple of points because of that grotesque, you know, scene with the with the beating. Um, for me, like there's obviously plenty of other problematic parts about this episode, but um, I, I kind of I loved just like whether it was an accident or not, seeing the police painted in such a negative light. That no, was really fun. that was fun. That um, was really fun to have the villain be the police yeah. and to not have the villain be, you know some faceless Soviet, right, like, right. <laughs> you know, war yeah, it was criminal. Like home, home turf, you know, it was yeah. like an actual American. Um, but yeah, so I, that's what I would give it. What do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm really, I really didn't enjoy it. I was really angry at Jack, but I also enjoyed watching him. So it's just, <laughs> it's really, it's hard. So yeah. I think I'm, since I'm so torn. Yeah about which way to go, I think I have to give it a five. Wow, okay. That's amazing. Um, that's It's funny because you think of that as middle of the road, but like... But in this case, it's that's not it's what not. I mean by the middle. five. It's like, it's either really good or yeah. really bad, and yeah. I just can't decide. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I get it. This is just uh, fascinating to me. Fascinating this season is like really polarizing the two. There are a couple of episodes where we've largely agreed on, but there are a couple that we've really not. Um, and I think that's really I fun. I think they're taking bigger swings, yes, right, which I kind right. of... I, I think it makes sense that we're having strong reactions to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next few uh, are, are are no exceptions. So, um, great. Well, uh, I think that's about all we have time for this episode, uh, this live from the green room episode. <laughs> um, anything to plug, Annie? Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Annie M. Russell, and you'll find out what I'm doing there. Cool. Uh, and same. You can follow me 
anywhere there's internet and uh, listen to my other podcast, The Corporation. That's it. That's everything. Thanks for listening, everybody. Check out our website at themacgyverpod.com and all our socials. It's all at MacGyverPod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can check them out on Paramount Plus or Amazon Prime or even Pluto TV. Next week, we'll be covering Season 3, Episode 8, Widowmaker. Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends are are the the adventures adventures of of life. Good night.